Hey, Pastor Tim here. I want to welcome you again to this living room version of Phoenix Bible Church. And if you are new with us, we actually started this year going through the book of James. Uh, Last week, we took a break from that uh, to preach a sermon entitled Unwavering Trust Amidst Unprecedented Times. And uh, today we're going to continue to lean into that. We're going to talk about uh, an uncomfortable response in the midst of these unprecedented times. And uh, the reality is we're all responding to these unprecedented times. And I know a lot of us are trying to predict where these unprecedented times are taking us. Here's the problem with that. They're unprecedented times. Nobody's ever lived through this. Nobody has the playbook for this. If you do, you need to share that with us. Come on. But but we don't really know what's going to happen but that doesn't stop us from trying to predict what's going to happen. Uh, and it's not just adults. Uh, my kids do this. My oldest uh, daughter was in the kitchen the other day, and she was just taking down some notes. And I saw at the top of the notes, I glanced over her shoulder, it was uh, coronavirus. So I thought, oh, that's going to be interesting. I wonder what she's writing, a little journal about the coronavirus. And so I'll just read to you what she ended up writing. She said this. She said, top of the list, coronavirus. She said that that equals online school, which it does. Uh, Coronavirus equals online school, but then she continued. She said coronavirus equals online school, which equals no teachers or instruction, which equals not knowing how to do stuff, which equals failing tests and being dumb, which equals failing in college, which equals working at McDonald's, which equals eventually dying. And that's where my daughter predicted that this coronavirus is heading. And listen, maybe some of you are thinking like the pastor's family needs counseling. And you may be right. We all need counseling. Come on. But we talked through it and she was halfway kidding. And we talked through like, we don't know what's going to happen. We trust in God and all those things. But the reality is my almost 11 year old daughter wrote down on a scratch piece of paper what many of you, many of us are thinking. We're wondering, we're trying to predict where this thing is headed, and we usually end up in panic, fear, and anxiety. And today, we're going to look at a different response. We're going to look at a better response than trying to predict the future. What can we do right now? Maybe you're wondering that. Like, what do we do as Christians right now? And I believe Jesus is going to give us that response. It is going to be a bit uncomfortable. We'll get to that at the end. Uh, But we're going to look at an uncomfortable response in unprecedented times. And we're going to do so from the Bible. So grab yours. I have mine. Uh, Pull it up on your phone, go grab a physical copy of the scriptures and head to the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and go to chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 35. So Matthew 9, verse 35, it says this. It says, And Jesus went through all the, the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Uh, what you see in, in this one verse is the context of really what's happening. Uh, we see it. Jesus is doing primarily two things. If you look at it, he's teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel, but he's also healing every disease and every affliction. So he's teaching, proclaiming, but he's also healing. And I think this is important, not just for the context, but just for our culture today amidst the unprecedented times that we're in. Because as Christians, I've had this debate. I imagine you've heard this debate. What's our response in the midst of suffering like this? Like, what should we do? Should we be praying for for spiritual awakening? Should we be sharing the gospel and handing out tracts? Or 
Should we be helping people physically, praying for the disease to be defeated, helping get supplies in the hands of people who need them? Should we be enacting justice in the world? And, and that's often a debate Christians have, and maybe you're having that right now. I've heard of people having that. And I think what's, what's great about Jesus is in this moment, as we wonder, like, which one is it, spiritual awakening or physical healing? Jesus gives the answer, and it's, it's yes. It's both. What is Jesus doing in this moment? He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God, and he's healing every affliction and every disease, right? And as Christ followers, as Christians, if you call yourself one, this is what we should be doing. So what do we do in this moment? What's our response? We should be proclaiming the gospel, the good news. Jesus is coming back. His kingdom is going to be a loving and and truthful reign. It is now through us, the church. It's going to be perfect one day when he comes back. Uh, The good news of the gospel, Jesus died on the cross. He rose again for your sin. More than ever, you need to realize your need for him. Trust him. Give your life to him. Follow him. So we need to do that, but we also need to help get supplies in the hands of the hospitals. We also need to help show the love of Jesus, not just say Jesus loves you. So we need to do both just like Jesus does. And that's part of our response. But let's keep going. Verse 36. Look at that verse. It says, when, when he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, words in scripture are really important, and I don't want you to miss this simple word. It says, when he saw, that Jesus saw the crowd. So again, the context, what's Jesus been doing? He's been going around proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God. He's been healing every disease. Notice it said that in verse 35, every disease, every affliction. Jesus has been pretty busy. And as he, as he comes upon a crowd, he's not inconvenienced by the crowd. Now, what does he do? He sees the crowd. Don't miss that. I think for us in this in this COVID-19 and this really unprecedented time we're in, if we're not careful uh, amidst everything else, we'll miss seeing people around us. We'll miss seeing our neighbors. We'll miss seeing the people in our city that are affected by this physically, financially, vocationally. We'll miss seeing people in our government and the ones we, we maybe didn't vote for. And we'll miss seeing them as as people created in the image of God with inherent dignity, value, and worth. And we'll miss seeing them and we'll just see stimulus packages. We'll just see toilet paper. Come on. We'll just see our own inconvenience. And I know as I studied this this week and was looking at, okay, Jesus, that just stuck out to me. Jesus sees the crowds after everything he's going through. He still sees the crowds before him. He sees people. I know that was convicting for me because I thought about since these last three weeks, I've seen a lot of inconvenience more than I've seen people. Like I've seen the inconvenience for our church. I'm a pastor of a church. It's what I do. It's not just my job. It's, it's my life. It's a big part of my life. And I've seen inconvenience with our church. Our church, I don't know if you've realized this, but right now we're not meeting at 4002 North 18th Avenue. We're meeting in my house virtually. And just behind the scenes, it's hard preaching to a camera. I'd much rather be with you in person, right? And I've seen inconvenience in that way. I've seen inconvenience in our church. I've seen inconvenience personally. My wife's birthday was last week. I still kind of feel like we didn't really get to celebrate it. Maybe we will have a post-corona birthday, right? Uh, And and I've seen inconvenience personally. My kids are not in school. They're at home, and they're home 24-7. Come on. 
And I've seen inconvenience and I haven't always seen people. I haven't even seen them as these are people in my house. There's my wife, my three other kids, and they're not, listen, parents, especially they're not inconveniences. They're people created in the image of God. And Jesus saw the crowd. He didn't see an inconvenience. He saw people. And what if we saw people like that? And here's what I know. Some of you are going through affliction and, and you're going through, some of you are going through a disease like verse 35 talks about. And you're thinking, okay, Tim, you want me to see other people, but, but who's seeing me? Like I lost my job this week. My hours are getting reduced. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay the mortgage. I, I am fearful for my kids or for sickness or whatever the case may be and where this is going to go. And, and I'm supposed to see other people who sees me. And you need to know God sees you and he sees every part of you right now. He sees the anger and the anxiety. He sees the disorientation and the depression. He sees your loss physically, financially, vocationally. He sees that. We see it in scripture, just the whole of scripture. Psalm 139, it says this. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He sees you. Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? God's saying, I see everything. I see you. And Jesus in this moment, Colossians 1 says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Here's what that means. It means when Jesus acts, we should pay attention on the Gospels because he's showing us what God the Father is like. So in Matthew 9, as it says, he sees the crowds, despite the fact he'd been really busy proclaiming the Gospel and healing every disease and every affliction. He sees the crowds, Jesus does. And so that should clue us in. God the Father sees people and he sees you. And so as we see that, just... When he saw the crowds, we should see people, all people around us. We should see people more than we see the stimulus package, more than we see toilet paper, more than we see the inconvenience. We should see people, but that's not just a white knuckle legalistic thing like, oh, you should see people more and you should feel guilty for not seeing people. No, it's, hey, you see people because God sees you. And so first, I just want to see, do you, do you see that, that God sees you? And is that enabling you to see other people? And then why is that so important? We spend a lot of time on one word, saw or see. Why is that so important? Well, here, here's why. Here's what seeing people causes. Verse 36, look at the verse. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion for them. And why did he have compassion? Because he sees them as being harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That word harassed in the original language is literally people that are being torn apart, filleted. And Jesus sees a group of people and he sees them and he sees that they're in trouble. They're suffering. They're being harassed. They're being torn apart. And it's not just that they're suffering. They're being harassed. They are helpless to stop it. They're like sheep without a shepherd. So they're being afflicted and they are helpless to solve it. Anybody relate to that? Does this sound familiar to our day? Like right now, you could look at 
people, you can look at your life and probably say, hey, we are being harassed and we are helpless. There's financial affliction. There's physical affliction. There's emotional affliction. There's vocational affliction right now. For our world, and maybe for some of you in this living room, there is that affliction that we are experiencing. We're harassed and we're also helpless. Have you felt that? Have you felt that as you look out in our world? Have you seen that when you throw on CNN.com or FoxNews.com? Whatever your preference is, we're not going to go there today, all right? Uh, But have you felt the fact that we're not just harassed, we're helpless? That even like the most brilliant people in our world right now, they don't know how to fix this, right? I, I haven't watched Oprah's confession. I haven't watched Oprah in a while, but I haven't seen her break onto my TV and give away some schools or something else and fix this. Like, Oprah's great, but she can't fix this. Experts, they're trying hard, but they're not fixing this because we're harassed and we're helpless. And listen, by the way, I believe part of God's grace to us in this moment is to teach us and to show us and remind us of the reality that already exists. And that's we can't fix everything. We can't control everything. We need him. Right. And people are just now in a, in a stressful time and a struggling time and a suffering time. They're starting to see that is that we can't fix this. And so who comes to fix it? It's it's Jesus. He has compassion. So he sees people and he has compassion because he has the power to affect change. He's loving and he's strong. And so that Jesus has compassion. Now, what is compassion? The root meaning of that word compassion in the original language, it refers to inward parts like your intestines. It's not just a pithy like, oh, I have compassion upon you. No, Jesus sees the crowds. They're harassed and helpless. He sees you harassed and helpless, and he has a deep intestinal reaction in his gut to care for you. He has a deep emotional response like a father would have for his kids. You see, again, Jesus, Colossians 1, he shows us what God the Father is like. Jesus has compassion. The Father has compassion. And that's how God responds to us as he sees us. I know for me, I'm a father of three, but I remember when I first became a dad and I had this little girl and she was about three years years old. And I remember vividly, we went to a dinner party and we didn't know who was going to be at this dinner party, but it ended up these other two, uh, like seven to eight year old boys were there. And they were just kind of like these, my daughter, my little baby girl was like three years old, protect her at all costs, right? And I see these other two little boys, and as a new dad, seven and eight-year-old boys with my three-year-old daughter, I'm just like, you better not touch my daughter, right? Just really protective. Dad, you can relate to that. So I remember eating dinner and just looking over, looking over at these seven to eight-year-old boys and see, like, how are they treating my three-year-old daughter? And I remember one time I looked over, and I saw one of these stinky boys, still gets to me today, pick up a baseball and throw it at my daughter's face. And as you can imagine, my little three-year-old daughter in that moment, she starts crying and screaming. And so I went over there and I wanted to do a lot of things. I wanted to pick up the baseball and throw it at their faces, but I didn't, right? But, but what, what evoked within me deep down, like in my gut, was compassion for my daughter, Like I wanted more than anything in that moment. She's crying and I can see a little red spot on her face from the baseball. I wanted to help her in the midst of her pain. Why? 
because I'm her father and she's my child. Listen, I know some of you, you do have some disorientation, but even more than that, you have some depression right now. You do have some anger about your situation and about other situation around you, but you also have some deep, paralyzing anxiety. And again, you wonder, does anybody see that? And is anybody going to do anything about that? And maybe you've wondered, even as a Christian, does God see that? And is God, how is he responding in this moment? Is he just like, man, that's what you get. I know what you've done. I know the things you haven't done. I know the sins you've committed. And maybe you wonder, like, maybe God's up there seeing all these things happening to me physically, financially, emotionally, and vocationally. And maybe he's saying, hey, this is what you get. And I just love watching you squirm. And maybe you've never said that or written that on a piece of paper. But that's how you felt at certain moments. And God's given you Matthew 9. God's given you uh, the character of Jesus, his person and his work to show you what God the Father is like. To show you that if you are his child, he sees you and he has compassion on your situation. And it gets better in the Old Testament. It's not just compassion. Isaiah 41 tells us, that he doesn't have just compassion. No, he strengthens you. He sees you, he has compassion on you, and he strengthens you, Isaiah 41. He helps you. He upholds you with his righteous right hand. You see, many times what we'll ask in the times of suffering like we're in is, hey, if God is all-powerful and loving, why is he letting this happen? And we'll say, if. And you need to know as Christians who have the inspired, inerrant Word of God, as we have the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, again, that shows us the Father heart of God, that we don't have to start that question with, if God is all good and powerful and loving. We can start that question with, hey, I know God is good, is powerful, is loving, is compassionate. I know it because I have the unique perspective with the 66 books of the Bible, with Jesus's life, death, and resurrection in view. I know he's good, loving, and powerful. And then we can ask the question, which is an honest question, is God, what are you doing? And what are you trying to teach me? But start from a place, Christian, start from a place of God sees me and he has compassion and he's upholding me and he's helping me. And take comfort in that. And so I would say to you a question. In these unprecedented times, as you are responding, are you just trying to predict the future? Are you stopping to rest in a God who has compassion for your situation, who sees you right now? Are you embracing that? And then just like God sees us so we can see other people, God has compassion on us so we can have compassion on other people. Are you not just embracing God's compassion for your life? But are you then extending that compassion to the others around you? Next thing, and this really gets to our response. Look at verse 37 with me. God sees, God has compassion. So what do we do? Verse 37 tells us, Then he said to his disciples, and notice he's been talking, he's been looking at the crowd. Now he's turning to the disciples. He says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Interesting there. He's kind of pivoting the conversation. He's saying, hey, these people are harassed and and helpless. We got some work to do, but the laborers are few. And I thought as he said that, he would then say, okay, disciples get to work. But look what he says. Verse 38. He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest 
to send out laborers into his harvest. He says, hey, there is a lot of work to be done. People are harassed and helpless. I see them have compassion. But as he looks to the disciples, he doesn't say, so get to work. He says, pray earnestly. Now, as I I read that, I thought, okay, Jesus, I think you missed your moment a little bit. Right? You, you saw the crowd. It's this impactful moment. They're harassed and helpless. They're in need. You have compassion on them. You turn to your crew, your guys, your disciples, and there's a lot of work to do, guys. But pray. And as I read that, I just thought, Jesus, I think you kind of missed your moment. Like, this was your Braveheart moment. I mean, this is the time to, to paint everybody's faces blue and, and get to work and send them out to help the helpless. But he doesn't say that. He just says, pray. Now, why does Jesus do that? Two things. Sequence and source. First of all, sequence. You see, there's a sequence to this. Matthew 9, Jesus calls the disciples to pray. Matthew 10, he calls them to act. Pray, then act. That's the sequence of Scripture. right? The book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah prays. Then he acts. That's what we see. Matthew 9, pray. Matthew 10, act. And as they begin to act, sourced by prayer with God first, God begins to change things. He begins to help the helpless. He begins to heal diseases through the disciples. They do get to work, but first they pray. And so that sequence is really important in Scripture. And the second thing is source. If you want to extend compassion, you first have to embrace it from God. If you want to act, you first have to experience God acting on your behalf. Because here's what I know is we can go out and do a lot of things and help a lot of people. But if that is not sourced by God, it will not make a difference. It will not have any lasting impact. You see what God needs from you right now? What is my response God needs you to pray and connect to Him and connect to His compassion and His power so that your cup is filled up so then you can go pour out. Listen, can I just can I just set you free right now? Some of you need to be set free. You're going around your house, and to be honest, you're not a lot of fun to be around with, with right now. Because you're just every project possible. We've got to do something. We've got to do, we've got to maximize this time. And you're you're watching the news and you're getting all anxiety-ridden. And maybe some of it's to do with your life and your job and your family, but maybe some of it's just to do with supplies in the world or the stimulus package or or a, something you need to sign to get something put into action and, and a petition or whatever the case may be. And you're thinking, I gotta do something, I gotta do something. And Jesus is saying, Yeah, there's a lot of work to do, but first you need to pray. Because I'm going to do a greater work in you and through you than you could do by yourself. And so I know it's an uncomfortable response. I am a doer. It's an uncomfortable response to me. I just, just stop and pray earnestly. God, come on. We got to go do something. And I struggle with that too. That's why it's uncomfortable response in unprecedented times. But God knows better than us. And he knows when he's, he's going to send some people out. He's going to send the disciples out in Matthew 10. And they're going to not just change lives. They're going to end up changing the world. We're still feeling the impact of that in the church over 2,000 years later because they prayed and then acted. And I get the uncomfortableness around that. But I promise you, if you will pray, you will act. And it will be sourced not by you, but the God of the universe. And things will change around you. But it starts with praying earnestly. And so 
I, I just want us to step back and think about that. I want us to wrestle with that uncomfortable response. You're going to have some discussion questions, but first we're going to pray and ask God how we should act. Right? If you think about it this way, there were 12 disciples and Jesus says, Hey, I see a crowd. I have compassion on them. They're harassed and helpless. There's a great need, just like there's a great need in our day. And he calls these 12 disciples to pray and then they act and they affect change and they change lives and they go on to change the world. And there were just 12 of them praying and then acting. There's a lot more than 12 people watching this video right now. What if we prayed? and connected to God, a God of compassion, a God of power, a God who can bring help and action through us. What if we all prayed and then acted? What would God do? Let's see. Let's pray together now. Father in heaven, God, I pray for these men and women watching this right now in their living room. God, I pray that they would begin to wrestle with seeing people the way you see them, with showing compassion the way you have shown compassion to us. God, they would begin to wrestle with this uncomfortable response. It's uncomfortable to me. I, I would just be honest with you, God. I don't want to just pray right now. I want uh, COVID-19 to be defeated and be eradicated. I want to start doing things to help people in our church and, and help them get jobs and get back on their feet. I want this economy to be fixed. I want to act. But God, you call us to pray and then act. And God, I pray that we would obey you and that we would see you work in us and through us and that we would act, but we would first act in prayer to a mighty God who cares way more than we ever could, who's more powerful to act than we ever will be. And God, you would defeat the coronavirus, provide jobs, fix the economy, and you would do all that in your time, but you would teach us along the way and we would first pray to you and that you would do those things through us and in our world. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.